Alpha Delta, Sierra X-ray Lima, call to Gatwick Airport Control. Gatwick Control to Alpha Delta, Sierra X-ray Lima. Thank you for downloading the Track One podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Colin. I'm Conrad. So we're just three normal beings who've been watching the brand new animation of the Faceless Ones. Uh, how familiar were you guys with this prior to the release? Uh, Colin, I think you said it's totally new to you? Totally new. No idea at all. And I quite liked it that way. In terms yeah. of not, not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. Pretty much same here, I think. Um, I knew a bit about it and I'd seen the two episodes that exist, but apart from that, nope. It's all new to me, so it's fun. How about you, Mark? Yeah, I listened to the audio a couple of times over the years, Um, but I I don't think they stay with you as well as the ones that you've watched do. Um, I I guess, you know, it depends on whether you're a visual person or things like that, but I I struggle to retain details of stories that I've I've only heard. That's why you've only got the one Big Finish CD in the car, right? For years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't. By the time I get back in the car, I can't remember what already happened. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, that's good. Every, every day's a new day. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, and how did you guys watch it? Did you watch the colour or the black and white animations first? Um, I, I, I was kind of lucky. I got um, tickets to go and see the thing at the BFI. So the first Ooh. time I saw, yeah, posh. So the first time I saw it, it was um, they showed all of the colour animation in one block, which was. You know, amazing. So it's good, and they had Fraser Annika and some of the Blu-ray people on stage. So that was that was nice. It wouldn't be my first choice of how to watch it, and um, oh, yeah. I, I always go for sort of as close to the original as I can get. Um, and I and while the colour on this is beautiful, I always like them in black and white. So I will always watch the animation in black and white. So my kind of preference is black and white animation with the original episodes dropped in. How about you, Colin? What did you go for? That's a really good point. Um, I went for full widescreen colour. You know, I did, I've did. i not... That's all I've watched. I didn't watch the black and whites, and I didn't watch the original episodes yet. Yeah. But i tell you something. I just... I mean, just the opening titles in colour was just <sighs> like, oh, this is glorious. What's going on? <sighs> Even that was worth it. That's beautiful. It's How stunning, about you, isn't it? Yeah, um, same. I watched it in colour. Um I was dubious, I think, when they did the first one, when they did Power of the Daleks, I was thinking, like, well, why have they done that? But then when I watched it in colour, it looked fantastic. And, uh, and with this one, yeah, I watched the colour one first. I haven't done the, the black and white ones yet. Um, but, yeah, same, same as you, Conrad, in terms of the kind of the most authentic experience, I think, is watching the animated ones, watching the live-action originals uh, in their place. What do you think about them animating yeah. the ones that already exist? Because I don't know if I'll ever watch those again. I'll probably only watch the originals uh, with the animations either side of it for the missing ones. Yeah, I, I think I, I will too. But I kind of it feels churlish to. I mean, part of you wants to go stop wasting your time animating things that exist. Yeah. Get back to you know, get on with the smugglers. Get on with Evil of the Daleks. You know, but I mean, I can totally see why they want to sell it as a whole package. And you know, you can't. It's you can't complain that the, the amount of choices. I mean, I've counted. There's like. If you given that you can have in black and white pure animation or black and white with original episodes, the same again in color, and then you can watch the originals with the telesnaps. That's five different ways of watching it with That's a reversible cover. With a reversible cover, cover. So yeah, no, no complaints from me. No, I mean, because it, it, um, it, it, it's not like Doctor Who fans are picky. So uh, <laughs> having it, you know, that's a great idea. Like for every single variation of what people want, for something that is. You know, I wonder how I wonder how well they sell. I think they do sell quite well, actually. Um, that um, you can experience it the way the way you want, and it's like I probably still watch a black and white reconstruction. Um, uh, I'm I just just constantly te- like upset that these things don't exist anymore. Not massively upset, but like these things don't exist anymore. Yeah. It's like you know. Yeah, we are we are very lucky as Doctor Who fans that these things are, are being recreated like this because there's there's obviously a lot more missing material from the archives than Doctor Who, um, and and most other series don't get this uh, this kind of treatment. So, um, and that they found this funding model where with I think with BBC America, which which broadcasts these, that they can afford to do right. it to the standard they can do is is absolutely brilliant. Um, seems like they're just going to continue, and and this year we're getting two, which is amazing. 
So in terms of the story, um, what uh, what what were your thoughts on uh, on this one, Colin? It just amazes me how much leg room there were on flights in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, that's that's what I got from it. No, um, you know what? I really enjoyed this. Um, I thought it was so kind of the, the opposite of what we have today where, you know, um, you have, I don't know, episodes like Orphan 55, Hello Pete, uh, which are bang, crash, bang, crash. It's just this slow pacing mystery uh, which... Uh, I found just interesting and uh, spooky, and um, uh, I thought the plot was like, I mean, super straightforward, um, but it it was good. It was good. Like uh, I was, I was not expecting it to like it as much as I did. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. The, the opening is great. I think just that it's got a really, um, I mean, just landing on an airstrip is incredible. I mean, that's a that's an amazing uh, location anyway. I mean, you need, they've used it in the, the most recent series in Spyfall, you know, is whatever area you shoot it in, shooting on a you know, runway, oh, yeah. it's pretty, it's like amazing. It's, and it, it makes it feel very contemporary, very recognisable, but you're immediately in danger because you're on a, you know, <laughs> an airstrip. And it's great, yeah. you know, the fact that they start off and they come out of the TARDIS and it's just like scatter, you know, you're off, you're off to the good stuff. Yeah, that was funny. Like, scatter, <laughs> three of them go in one direction and Ben goes in the other direction. Oh, that's Ben Jackson. Ben, Ben Uh, so the, the sound you've just heard is the Ben Jackson klaxon, which you might recognise if you follow Conrad on Twitter. Uh, thank you very much to Pete Lambert for putting that together. Mm, yeah, sort of thank you, but <laughs> it's, it's quite it's quite full on. Yeah, so yeah, on, on Twitter, if anybody mentions tell. Michael Craze or Ben Jackson uh, with a lovely picture of, of him, then uh, then you will hear that sound. So, what do you, I, I hear it in my head. That is the sound I hear in my head every time I see a nice picture of this fine... Able seaman, I shall say. Your favourite seaman? He's he is he is my favourite. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he's Ben Jackson. Ben Ben Jackson. So they, anyway, back to it. So they all yeah. scatter, and yeah, three go one way, Ben goes the other, and you're 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 off. It's off to a cracking start. I think the thing that occurred to me this time, um, and, and possibly because we were talking about this the other day, Conrad, because you're having your James Bond marathon at the moment, um, and we're talking about how yeah. foreign travel in the '60s would have been much more unusual for people, and uh, you know, less attainable, and it, so it would make make it seem more exotic. Um, and and airports wouldn't have been that familiar to people. Um, it's doing that very Doctor Who no. thing of taking something that's quite new and people are maybe a little bit unsure of and, and making it scary, like sort of you know plastic uh, in the the Auton stories and uh, Saturn have even in, in the new series. Um, you know would have been not that common when the uh, the Santaran two party was on. Yeah. 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 So there is a kind of sort of anxiety about this. It must have been quite alarming at the time. This kind of incoming of this very kind of smooth service industry very commercial very impersonal very faceless you might say mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like it's um there must have been some sort of slight anxiety about this this slightly automated f- slightly fake service thing which i suppose it comes up when i suppose when polly joins the ranks of the or you know you get chameleon polly serving behind the bar and they're trying to get something out of her and she's completely glassy-eyed and you know, gone over there. So I think, yeah, the location does give you that very modern, very exciting sort of feel. Yeah, and it's funny to think, I suppose, now it's only the second story to be set on contemporary Earth. 
Um, there's only been the War Machines before this. Uh, well, an unearthly child, I suppose, but like in terms of like an entire story um, set on contemporary earth, this is only the second time that they that they're here, and it, it already feels like the sort of edging towards what it's going to be in the 70s, uh, you know, with the aliens on Earth. And I felt like the Commandant was a very Brigadier-like character. You, you can almost see that that's sort of the formation of, of uh, the, the Doctor coming up against that kind of bureau, bureaucratic figure. Mm. Um, did, you, did you notice that every shot seemed to have a map on it? Uh, it, it, it was just so so beautifully um, detailed everything they did uh, with this with the animation uh, mm. like all these really detailed maps behind them uh, all these 3d clouds that I love the um, the plane the plane oh. design and the plane landing and taking off and, and going up um, beautiful the, yeah. the, the, I have to say this the sets and the settings of this like you say really what kicked up a notch I think in this one the, the, the settings and sets were just beautiful um, great job and yeah you're right about the maps it does give you that kind of, that kind of detail and that sense of scale as well gorgeous yeah and some beautiful easter eggs as well that they've uh, that they've dropped in there the uh, yeah. uh, the wanted <laughs> posters and the um, the advert for magpie electricals as well Nice. There's, there's loads in there. Yeah, there's like the newspapers saying "War Machines defeated." And speaking of James Bond, the Goldfinger laser moment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was that before or after Goldfinger? I can, I can. T- I was, you'll be very proud of me, Mark, because I've just, I've just started my James Bond marathon. So I, we just did Goldfinger last week. So Goldfinger was 1964, and oh, this wow. is 67. So it would legitimately be a, a kind of influence for sure. Definitely, yeah. It's very James Bond, isn't it, to um, to, to leave the heroes um, trapped in something like that, that's like a slow-moving death, and then just leaving the room and assuming it's going to work. <laughs> this is, sorry, we can't go any further, Mark, without plugging your uh, brilliant blog that I've been following as well, Operation Grand Slam, so you should put that, a link in that in the, in the, in the notes or something, because it's great. Oh, thank you very much. I, I will do you that. You, you watching all the bonds with your long-suffering wife-to-be, who, who, who nearly wasn't your wife during some of those episodes. She's like, <laughs> you know, I hate the fact you love it. I hate, I hate the fact you really enjoy this stuff. It makes me not want to marry you. I thought that was risky strategy, Mark. It was, yeah. It was. Um, I had to really, uh, really test her to the limit before I committed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Wow. Does the reverse often happen? Does. Uh, do you, do you have to watch other things? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, we we don't share much taste in um, in TV or anything. I'm afraid. I mean, she doesn't sort of force me to watch it and then make notes while I uh, <laughs> and then write a blog about it or anything. But, yeah, that's right. Because yeah. that's, yeah. right. that, that's not normal, is it, Mark? No. <laughs> that's that's true. Now that you uh, yeah, now that you call it out. But, but like, but like the suave Bond international playboy you are, you got the girl in the end. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky, I've got to say. So as well as the uh, the James Bond laser, um, what, what did we think of the chameleon's plan? It, it's, it's kind of a creepy idea, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, abducting, you know, missing missing people is always a kind of scary, very just eerie, unnerving thing, and lots of young people missing is kind of a really good idea. So sort of dramatically, it's kind of nice, but it definitely peters out, it runs out of steam, I think, towards the end. But I love the chameleons themselves. But what about you, Colin? How did the, their plan land with you? I, I kind of ended up thinking it was quite Zygon-like. It was proto-Zygons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, you know, that's... Uh, not a problem or anything or, or the other way around. Uh, yeah, I just I just enjoyed the mystery, uh, and I guess the payoff wasn't amazing, but it was still good. I, I did like the the plane flying up into the satellite. That was gorgeous. That was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. Or the and the fact that they were sort of miniaturized. Why? Okay, fair enough. Um, but again, it was it it was like. The doctor resolved it not by just you know like uh, uh, you know warriors of the deep style or, or something like this. It was more kind of uh, again look, a little bit pre Pertwee, and it was like well you know we understand why you're doing this. I'll work with you to find a solution. 
yeah. can, I have my t- can I have my TARDIS back? And, okay, bye, I'm going to fuck off now. But, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, again, it's not, a, it's not a, like a Moffat one where you've really got to figure out, oh, Jesus, what's going on now? But it's a, a slow reveal. It's atmospheric. The, the music, I, I mean, I don't know who wrote the music. It just says the BBC Radio Funnet Workshop, which is mm. fine. But it's, I just, just love that it's not a score. I, I love soundtracks. You know, maybe if it's Solaris or, or, or something else, that it's just a background ambience that yeah. just adds to the atmosphere versus a, you know, bombastic over-the-top stuff. So, yeah, yeah you've, got that, you've got that weird, very sci-fi, not theremin, but it sounds a bit like that—that that kind of weird, high-pitched whistle noise yeah. that comes in. Yeah, it's a good point yeah, because it's, it's uh, written by the the story is, is written by Malcolm Hulk, Hulk or co-written, um, and I guess he's a big writer for the poet we have. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you say about the Silurians and the Sea Devils, it's about more absolutely find yeah. the compromise, isn't it, than than blow them up or anything like that. Uh, yeah, God, I'd much rather uh, watch this than the Silurians, so that's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I feel like it's such a weird kind of abstract idea that these aliens have lost their personalities as well. Um, like it's not just the, the kind of physical characteristics um, and you know, kind of lack of individuality. Like they, their personalities have gone, which. Um, I wasn't sure how that tied in with them having a leader and things, or whether it, it kind of more meant that they've lost their memories. Um, but yeah, certainly kind of a, a weird idea that's to a, play with. That's a great point. Yeah, what, did they say what the catastrophe was that happened on their planet? I can't remember how they described it. It's just an explosion, I think they say. But that is an interesting idea, you're right. Like it's because often, you know, we're used to that and then causing, you know, radiation and mutations and all this kind of stuff, but it doesn't tend to, it tends to, like you said, it tends to come in a physical thing rather than just losing their identity, which is, that's good, I like that. Mm. and of course they, they still managed to um, sort of come up with the plan and um, I quite like the idea that they set up an airline and designed logos and all that kind of stuff for it it's quite <laughs> it's quite a detailed plan isn't it yeah and the postcards thing was nice as well as a yeah just as again a bit, a bit of a mystery as to what's happening and um, why maybe a bit nostalgic for postcards it really reminded me of uh, of Dracula because um, that's what Dracula does with uh, with Harker, isn't it? He gets him to to write these letters and, and, and post date them um, so that it seems like Harker's still alive and well um, in Transylvania, um, but long after you know, Dracula actually plans to kill him. I wonder if that was an influence on it. Nice, and there was a, there, it gave it gave uh, the Doctor a few Sherlock moments as well with his mm-hmm. magnifying glass. And it's like it's a stamp, but it's not used, or it is used, or whatever. I love that that, that little clue. It's like yeah, a bit of Sherlock in there as well. A Spanish stamp, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. It's great. Yeah, I think yeah, Tran's brilliant at this, and and like you say, the um, the juxtaposition with the modern series is. Um, now the Doctor would arrive at Gatwick Airport and show the psychic paper. Um, and they would basically all fall into line where he's got quite a job, hasn't he, convincing everybody that there's something going on. And to begin with, they're, they're just obsessed with where's his passport. And he's like, there's been a murder. And he's like, but where's your passport? It's, um, he did get through immigration quicker than anyone's got through in the last sort of few years. <laughs> yeah. uh, and after he pretended he had a bomb as well in an airport, which... <laughs> Uh, yeah, and another thing that would uh, would preclude you getting through immigration nowadays. Oh right, well, when he pretends to have a bomb, you mean like he throws, yeah. throws the ball? Yeah. yeah. Oh god, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, the the what the other thing that really stood out for me is just the quality of the sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I mean, obviously Mark Ayres has worked his magic, but um, uh, whoever, wherever that sound recording comes from. It's uh, it's spectacularly good. Yeah, it really is. The uh, the the bit where the um, the doctors in the uh, the chameleon tours um, uh, kind of hanger and he hears the voice. I think was a particularly creepy moment, and it's like, "Help me, I'm suffocating." 
but not in a way that oh, somebody, yeah. not in a way that somebody who's suffocating would, would talk like breathlessly or anything. It was quite there's just something really creepy about uh, about the way it happens. And I guess even the word suffocating is quite long to say if you were suffocating, isn't it? Um, but like, <laughs> it's the last word you would say. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, um, it would be the last <laughs> word. Um, yeah, also it's weird because because we you know he we. That's that's the sort of the recording to get him into the other room. Mm. But like the fact you can, the fact he's looking at that guy completely, you know, blank at the moment, and it sounds like the voice is coming from inside him. Yeah, like you, know, it's so a you, you psychic, see, yeah. you, you hear it when you see the when you see the shot of him completely blank, and you know that's when you hear him saying, "Help me, I'm suffocating." You're like, for for a second, it just I don't know that that kind of sense kind of blends into uh, this feeling of empty people or people being taken over or whatever. You feel like is he trapped in? A different body or something it's a weird moment but it really works i think yeah like a, like a kind of locked in syndrome sort of thing which is like obviously a terrifying horrible yeah. thing in itself yeah um the way that the the duplicates lose their regional accents as well um i thought was really effective way especially with jamie because it's such a, a stark yeah. change isn't it um of, of of making him seem kind of unfamiliar and uh and, and uh, more threatening Less noticeable yeah, with the uh, with the policeman. Uh, his Scottish accent wasn't wasn't as strong, but uh, the uh, yeah with Jamie, it's it's very odd. Yeah, all the stuff about kind of uh, people losing identity and, and and all that kind of stuff. So so for a a farewell story for Polly and Ben, it doesn't really hit the mark. Uh, you know because. Uh, I was half expecting that because I, I is the next story evil of the Daleks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've I've heard the a bit of the audio for that at the start. It's like, oh, okay, they're trying to find the TARDIS again in the airport. Um, but, so, but then I was like, okay, they must be leaving in this one. But Ben's hardly in it. Um, uh, Polly's in it for like a couple of episodes, but it does as a farewell story. It I don't think it. It really does the trick for them, but I, you know, I liked the, I liked the sentiment of the, the way they left as well. That was good. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I've got to agree with you. Like, I love Ben and Polly. Like, I really love them dearly, and it's, it's really exciting. Like, in, in, in warm, it's interesting. Like you said that this is a contemporary setting. The last one we had was the War Machines, which is their first story, because they're very contemporary companions aren't they they're very you know it's that youth culture companion that we get you know i suppose they're the equivalent of yaz and ryan now you know they're, they're someone from now um, yeah. and it, it's kind of, it makes sense that they you know in a way that they're sort of like oh we're back in, we're back in our own time there's no two ways about it it's a really uh, abrupt kind of disappointing exit for them I, I read that it was sort of largely due to i think they they the production team sort of felt that um um, you know, Ben and Polly, that they wanted to change them for whatever reason. I don't think they were working to their full potential that they felt they could. So they were look, they were sort of, I think that they're like at the end of the moon base, there was sort of, their contracts were kind of up. Um, and then they, they were going uh, to, the, the reason they got, they only did two episodes of this is because they were contracted for like three, four parters. Then they decided to sort of juggle them about and make uh, Faceless One six. And then it could have it got kind of got confounded because um, you know then Fraser Hines joined in the Highlanders, so they had another bloke. And then actually, when this uh, when the Sam Briggs character came in, they were like, "Oh right, she could potentially be a companion." So they they sort of they just messed about a lot with the story order and the characters, and they couldn't quite fit them in. So basically, when they ended up with two spare episodes of Ben and Polly in it, and so they were only contracted ended up contracted with these two episodes. So it's very odd so all the Gatwick stuff was filmed in a sort of first two episode block and that was it so they're sorely missing from this story it, it does feel really okay well that that's a, that's a that's a good explanation uh, that's yeah. good to know but, but, but it's sad it's still sad though and it shouldn't happen they, 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 I think the potential of because like, I don't watch tons of these missing episode stories like I there's still a lot of theirs I don't really you know yeah. pieced all together yet but um, I'm I I really love them as a as companions, and I really uh, it, it it doesn't it really dilutes a lot of the story for me because because Ben and Polly are they're my sort of you know they're a big sell for any story. It's like oh, it's got Ben and Polly in it, hooray! Um, so it's really disappointing as an exit for them um, for me. Yeah, I think because they're important as companions, they they were there for the first regeneration. 
um, you yeah. know, to, 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 to kind of bear witness to that hallmark and everything. It's um, it's a huge thing, and, and it's just so likable. Um, just kind of kind of ordinary people from that time. Um, it, it's a real shame. Um, nowadays, if you, you the final story for Companion, it would centre around them, wouldn't it? And it would be them kind of reaching some kind of closure or fulfilment. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a shame that kind of the last uh, meaningful bit we get with Polly is she's not actually Polly. Um, she's she's been uh, replaced by one of the chameleon duplicates and pretending not to know them. Yeah, I was, I was interested to read about the. Um in the in Doctor Who magazine a couple of issues ago, for this they they previewed uh, the Blu-ray, and there, there's a little feature in there. It's worth looking up. It's about the the story that uh, this was that the faces ones came from. So um, they originally uh, Jerry Davis, the script guy, said um, he, he wanted a story that was set in a really strong sort of sense of place, somewhere modern and whatever. And so they set it in a big department store, and the the, the story was called the Big Store, um, and it was um, the same story of chameleons. Uh, replacing people using shop window dummies would you imagine like that'll ever catch up yeah. <laughs> um, and that would have been a written I think it was a bit that Polly there was a scene in it where Polly was working in the in the shop's travel bureau you know so I think the same setup but that scene happened to be in there and that just made them go oh actually let's set it in an airport instead and they just took it off in that direction but actually I think I think the big store department store could have been a really good good location for Ben and Polly because they're very Carnaby sort of Carnaby Street babes in the wood they're very swinging they're very sort of modern and it, that might, might have made if they were in it for the whole thing I could see that being a really good very 60s story that sort of was very plugged in with them but mm. I, I, I get the feeling this story kind of got chopped and changed quite a bit and adapted quite a bit and sometimes that can work in a story's favour but I think I don't think Ben and Polly I think, I think they suffered from from a lot of the chops and changes to this yeah, definitely. Um, it, it seems like they're pushed out a little bit to make way for the potential new companion, but um, famously the uh, the actress turned it down, and uh, but went on to to much greater <laughs> success than uh, <laughs> than probably. She did fine with her Oscars and her huge films. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, so what do we what do we think of her performance? Do you think her accent might have got toned down a bit? Um, if she'd been kept on? I thought it was... I mean, it's hard to say, you know, uh, like a good performance for someone who I've only ever seen animated <laughs> in, in, uh, in this. Uh, but I, I, liked, I liked the character. Um, uh, but, yeah, can't really say much more than that. Good chemistry with Jamie. I mean, they, they did his nature about it. They did hit it off really well. Well, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he tried it on, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's Fraser, yeah. and I'm not. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but, but the characters sort of spark off each other pretty well. So I can see why they would be like, have having kept Fraser on. I can see why they'd be sort of going, oh yeah, she'd be a great sort of foil for. Her. And she gets some good lines as well. I love the uh, when she when she goes off and she wants Jamie to kind of follow her. So she's like, oh well, the worst worst thing they can do is murder me. Tra. <laughs> She's 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 got she's brassy. Yeah, yeah, she's so instrumental in the um, in the conclusion as well um, in in finding where all the duplicates have been hidden in the in the airport. Um, it's very sort of companion like behaviour, that isn't it? Um, I think um, I think that that last bit is actually is genuinely tense as well, where you've got the doctor up on the space station. Yeah trying desperately to bluff them that, that they know where they are and then the commandant is, is trying to bluff them as well um, and they're searching for it it's some kind of very well written and, and, uh, and tense tensely acted and directed right. stuff yeah I agree with you there yeah that was um, that was a good section yeah I think maybe I would have yeah, hidden, I would maybe have hidden the bodies in the boots rather than um, just like in the cars where you can see them through the windows <laughs> <laughs> Just some people decided to have a little rest in their car. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought, remember, kids, never leave, never leave a chameleon in a car on a hot day. Yeah. That. <laughs> um, I think it would have kind of made, been maybe a tiny bit more satisfying if she found her brother at that point, because she's she's mentioned him so much that either if she found him and, and recognised him, or if they just had been reunited at the end, um, I kept expecting him to turn up. Um, because that uh, her whole motivation, obviously, for being there was um, that her brother had gone missing. 
you're totally right. That, the, 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 scene, the scene should have been the like um, the, you know that classic departure lounge or, or arrivals lounge thing, where every, you know all the people come through and all the families are there waiting for the person, to, your family, to come out. That might have been a might have been a thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a miss, missed opportunity. Yeah, good point. I think um, Jamie uh, in particular, this is only like his third story as well. Um, but get some really good character stuff here because you don't. I think uh, they don't always remember when a character is from the past. Um, but Jamie here, it's like as soon as they land, it's uh, was it the great flying beastie or something like that when he sees the plane. Um, oh yeah, and, I like, and him really reading like, the newspaper upside down. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I have to say, I thought that was at first. I was like, "Is that the animation people having a you know yeah. having a very nice character touch?" But I just checked out the thing, and it really is. That's a bit of Fraser and and uh, Trout and business. Yeah, Good stuff. He probably really wouldn't just, be able to read, would he? I guess coming from the kind of uh, Jacobite. That's times. what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. The the bit where um, um, the. Uh, uh, where Sam wants him to get on the plane and he says, well, how much is a ticket? And she says, 28 pounds. And he's like, that's a fortune. That's, that's more money than I'll ever see in my life. <laughs> yeah. He's seen it from, from that time as well. And now we're looking back at it like 50 years later and thinking, I, I paid more than that for this Blu-ray. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about the same. Uh, no, I was just thinking how good it would be to have a character from, like a companion from, the past again, not like a like fucking literary thing they they always do um, as guest episodes, but like a uh, have, have a companion from the, the proper past again. Oh, when was the last time we had one? I was just thinking, an actual companion from the past. Okay, let's do this. We can do this. We can. No, do yeah. Um, uh, nothing in the new series. I mean, not real. I don't think so. Uh, Companions, no. He's got to be Victoria, hasn't it? Well, there you, I've, I've just, there you go. I mean, that's... Yeah. Hang on, that cannot be right. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, you're right. Because there's very much the feeling, especially in the new series, that you have to have somebody from contemporary Earth for audience identification, isn't there? But I think you can, you can hold up a mirror to contemporary Earth by having somebody unfamiliar with it, whether it's like an alien character or someone from the past or the future. Um, like, I think Leela was fantastic for that because... The yeah, doctor, exactly. The Doctor telling I, I was her about life on Earth. Yeah, yeah. So the um, one of the companions that never was, uh, Will Chandler from The Awakening. I think he would have been an absolutely wonderful. That's it. Mm. Yeah, or um, or who's the who's the other guest character um, in the in The Awakening? In, in, um, so Polly James. That's it. That's Jane it. Jane. I can't remember her name. But well, Polly something. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, how about this as a, as, a, as the next Ryan and Graham? Then is a companion from the future and a companion from the past, and that they can provide better social commentary. I mean, not like you know, like totally cliched way all the time, but yeah, 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 yeah something like that. Some, It'd be nice to get some different perspectives on it It'd be sh- for sure. I thought you were going to say instead of uh, Ryan and Graham, well, they have to, you know two other blokes from the past. What about Burke and Air? <laughs> sorry I think there was a, a plan at one point um, or there was, I might be misremembering this that Hal the Archer from the Time Warrior I think did they toy with making him a companion I might be misremembering this but um, that would have been an interesting one as well that would have been amazing especially if he'd turned into Boba Fett as yes. part of the series <laughs> that would have been even better I would have been down with that I suppose the, the, the closest they've done with that recently is not somebody from the past, but having Nardole um, in Series 10. Um, oh, I love that. But, but he had lived on Earth, I guess, for whatever, 50 years or whatever it was that the Doctor had been there guarding the vault. So he wasn't, um, although he was kind of odd and everything, and he had all these kind of odd experiences and backstory, uh, he wasn't like that kind of fish-out-of-water thing that, that would maybe make a character like that interesting. But I did love Nardole as well. I, I think... Me too. I think we missed a good couple of years of more of um, uh, Bill and Nardole. I just think season 10 for me is, as you know, maybe it's some real, real highs in that, some real, real bits that I liked. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time I think Moffat, Stephen Moffat really, really gets um, 
you know, companion writing that isn't kind of superhero writing, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway. I agree. I think for me, like, Thin Ice was the story that I was just, particularly because him and Bill, we've just totally gone left field here, but that's cool. Um, but, like, um, when him and Bill are both in just general period dress, and the Doctor's just this bloke in sort of Edwardian or Victorian dress or whatever, and he just happens to be the Doctor. And I was just, I had a real, my, my brain just kind of really went, oh, this is Doctor Who. This is a mysterious traveller from a non specific time. And, you know, his. his his companion taken out of time to another place, running around having this adventure. And it really felt like, oh, this is Doctor Who. This is really, really, this is really it. So I agree with you there. I think it's, they definitely hit it right, I think. I just um, remembered the door handle bit. In the first episode, there's an incredible bit, and they, they sort of pull it up in the commentary. And I think someone put it online the other day, is in the first episode, in the first five, ten minutes, uh, in, in one of the control rooms or something, um, the guy who plays Spencer, Victor Winding, walks through a door and the door handle just comes off in his hand, cheap BBC door, <laughs> and he just does the best. You don't, you don't notice it. You know, I didn't notice when you first see it, cause, but it, it took somebody to draw my attention to it, and it totally comes off in his hand, and he just quietly puts it on the table and keeps walking. And apparently a more experienced actor who was much more used to working in big, you know, production films couldn't believe they just kept going. Yeah. And that was it. There were no retakes, there was no nothing. But it's, it could have been a real acorn antiques moment, but he just totally <laughs> sails through it. And I'll see if I can find the clip mark for you. When you were, when you were starting telling that story, I was like, but it's an animation. They could just fix Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm totally making this up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just a dodgy bit of animation, I'm just a bit simple. Right, yeah. yeah, Spencer's the uh he's the really arch one, isn't he? The um the the villain, is that right? I, I, I the think so. Delivers everything with yeah. um, with such menace all the time, even if it's just a fairly normal conversation. I think he's a fantastic villainy from him. Yeah, there's a lot of super and, and uh, um, Donald Pickering. I got that right, haven't I? Uh, he plays Is he uh, Captain God. Blade. Recursion. Yeah, Blade. I mean, he yeah. is arch, 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 smug, tastic, and he's yeah. brilliant. He's got that super sneering voice, and mm. he's just great. It's great the way um, the they're, they're not the, the the chameleons. They're not just kind of one race all with the same goal and everything like that that they they do have um disagreements within their own ranks um like the yes. guy who's the um the air traffic controller um to save his own skin he will sell out the rest of his race and their evil plan um it's uh it's, it's grand that they they'll sort of argue and say you know call each other incompetent and all the rest of it it gives a lot more texture to them uh than races where yeah. they're all single-mindedly evil and, and, and after the same ends and I think that's why I liked it, in that it was, again, straightforward, linear, sort of um, had some, it was about, uh, you know, and they, as you were saying, that their their personalities are changed as well. Uh, it's not just, the, not, the, not, not just the bodies, which made it slightly different enough to not feel like a retread. And I'm saying that re- retroactively because, you know, this is one of the early ones. Mm. So... Uh, yeah, no, I agree. There's, um, there was a bit of bit of depth to it. I mean, still one probably one episode too long, probably. Yeah. But, um, it's uh, not explicit, but it seems like there's some element of them taking on the personalities of the people that they've duplicated, which it must be how it works if they have no personalities of their own. Um, and they, they've kidnapped like was it fifty thousand young people? I think up to this point. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, like if they did that now, kind of this planet of like millennials and hipsters and stuff, would be, yeah, you know, just. Oh my God. 50,000 of them make up the entire population. Mark, it's not millennials anymore. Millennials, that's the previous generation now. What? Yeah, well, sorry, I can never keep up now. What's the. Because I'm, I'm Gen X, so I'm just ancient. So what is. I, I, think, what, it's, I think it's Gen Z, isn't it? Gen Z, yeah, I think that's right, yeah. right, yeah, Gen Z now. Just TikTok people. Um, <laughs> TikTok people. That's the sequel to the faceless ones. Yeah. You're right on this. Get to get big finish on the line, we're doing this. <laughs> so, um, what I really like, because again, it's still early days for Troughton, isn't it? Um, 
the the way um, I said before, he's trying to win people over and, and kind of overcome this kind of bureaucratic machine. But he's really able to charm the ladies quite easily to help him. Um, kind of uh, Nurse Pinto and um, the Commandant's assistant, who's got a brilliant name of Gene Rock. Um, like Gene Rock <laughs> and Captain Blade. There's some, there's some great names in this, actually, kind of thing. Um, Fantastic. But yeah, it's that that sort of charming side to Troughton as well that, that, that comes out in this, and uh, yeah, you can get you can get them to help him much more easily than uh, you know, like the police and the commandant and people who are much more skeptical. Yeah, I, I did. He did. Troughton, of course, gets his few comedy moments. I think the first one, and when they showed him the BFI, it did bring the house down. Um, was the, in episode two when he's the, hanging around for ages doing the, the passport thing with oh the guy who is. Um, uh, Christopher Tranchell, uh, who is Andred from uh, Invasion of Time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Um, but the bit where, of course, he's going on for ages, going for ages, and they bring the commandant down. He's having none of it. And they're like, no, there's no dead body. We're calling the police, whatever. And then he, then Tran does the when I say run, run. And there's yeah. a pause, and he just goes run. <laughs> yeah. and, and then the commandant, who is still on the phone, goes, "The situation's changed. They've just run off." Yeah. <laughs> This is gorgeous. He, the commandant is is brilliant. The other bit that I thought was was excellent with him is is when um, Jean Rock has been. She said, "Well, I took the liberty of phoning um, like Athens and all these different airports." And he starts to say, "Do you know how much that costs?" Like, <laughs> like the co- complaining about the cost of international calls when when they're investigating murders and mass disappearances. It's like. And uh, yeah, he's still got one eye on he the budget. Yeah, <laughs> he's got one eye on the budgets. And I, 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 I love the bit when everyone's having kind of a very fond farewell, and you know the, the commandant has finally realised that the doctor was right all along, and he's saying goodbye to everybody, and, just, and then he just goes goodbye, Scotty. To yeah. me, which is, <laughs> I love that. It's great. There's yeah, there's there's so many nice moments, and. Uh, yeah, it feels like a few years later, This, it, it, like a story that would have had the master in it as well, um, kind of facilitating the, yeah, the plan yeah. for the aliens. It, it feels like you can, you're almost there with, like, say, the commandant's like a brigadier-type character. It's on contemporary Earth, the doctor working with the authorities and all that sort of stuff. It's Definitely. In, in, the orig- in, in the first treatment, when it was a department store thing, the chameleons was, were, were, were actually, they were like drones working for another race above them who wanted to colonise the earth. So the chameleons themselves were fairly blank sort of henchmen and they, they were working for somebody. So that would totally work with mm-hmm. the master. It does, they, they maybe do need a kind of, you know, uh, controlling force over them or something. Yeah. Cause the director is introduced very late in the day, isn't he? As the, as the head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you've got Captain Blade and everything in the meantime. It was, again, it was quite nice that it didn't have that many sort of layers, or um, that they're not—they weren't actually that competent, right? Yeah. Uh, or that they're, but they're. Well, they were the most intelligent race in the universe. Uh, got to remember. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. Um, the most arrogant race. Then. I mean, uh, they. Uh, no, I just, uh, I, I just like that kind of. Um, the, the way they did it like that yeah it was yeah. good mm-hmm. their own kind of self-aggrandizing was fantastic when it's saying like well the humans are only as intelligent as the animals on our planet and all this sort of stuff um, but then like they have like an alien race who have to take time from villainy to lick stamps and, uh, and <laughs> put them on the postcards which is a nice kind of mundane side of the job for them I did like the um, towards the end where they were kind of calling his bluff about um, whether they'd found all the bodies yet. When they started liquefying them one by one, and you didn't know who was going to go next. I loved that. Was that was great. Yeah, and it looked great, didn't it? On the animation, I thought they did yeah, a yeah. really gorgeous job of liquefying each person. It was a real shocker. And the way they got shot as when they shot them with the guns and the sort of red burning in inside them kind of effect was really good. See, I need to watch the colour one again because I, I, uh, I didn't want to watch that again. Yeah, yeah, but it was like yeah, lava yeah. melting or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it's cool. No, really good, really good story. Yeah, definitely, and and, and right for a reappraisal now that we can uh, now that we can watch it as well. Right, but one thing we've got to do the next time is they've um, they've got to put 
um, you know who's missing from the covers of the? They've only got two. I think two more Ben and Polly stories to go. Is that right? Smugglers and Highlanders. I think are the only two Ben and Polly stories that they haven't put out yet. I might be wrong, but I think there's those are the two that are outstanding. So we we need them on the cover much more. On the, they've only been on DVD and Blu-ray covers a couple of times, and you know I need my Ben Jackson. Ben Ben Jackson. Yeah, they, they, they haven't. Well, they've only done. I think the Reign of Terror, isn't it? Is the only historical that they've animated. They're going for the yeah. kind of the sci-fi stories uh, at the moment. So, yeah, you wonder if, if, if I mean, they're probably going to be more popular. But are, are they going to do the, um, you know, the Smugglers and uh, and the other ones and the Highlanders? I hope so. But you, you would think they'd maybe alternate or, or kind of pepper the historicals. Uh, throughout the releases a bit. Which ones would you guys like to see? Like, have you got any favourites that you're kind of really looking forward to seeing on giving the animation treatment? I have very little knowledge of any of them, but I'm going to say Evil of the Daleks. Oh, that would be lovely. Yeah. Because I'm kind of saving that one. Yeah, because you've got the Daleks. You've got the the Emperor, right? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my God, and that battle... And then, of course, you've got the period uh, sets in the in the house. Oh my god, that'd be gorgeous! Yeah, it's a great story. I think that and the Dalek master plan, um, I'd love to see. Absolutely, yeah, yeah that's nice. I know that the, uh, the uh, Russell Minton, the big boss of all these things, he really loves the massacre. That's one of his favourites. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see that soon. And I guess they've got to try and. I suppose now they've got to kind of think about. I know they're done by different people in a way, but like um, the Blu-ray collections that come out, I suppose you know quite soon these are going, these are going to be filling up a, a box set and freeing up a uh, you know a box set of collection Blu-rays to be put out. So I don't know if that has any bearing on it or or not. But I I have not many theories about how they're going to do it, but I I think they'll do like they'll continue bouncing between Pertwee and McCoy um, because you can do all those. Um, and I think that as lo- the longer they leave the the Troughton and the Hartnell ones, the more, the ever so slight possibility of more things being found mm. could come up. And in, this, in parallel, you're doing the the animations. Yeah. Um, but I think for for them to go now, oh look, here's a box set of everything you've just bought, is yeah. probably not what's needed or what would sell. Yeah, it's true. But again, a good one next month. Blimey! Yeah, Aren't we just. Yeah, and then we got fury from the deep again. This I can't believe we're like, we. It's just we, we. You have to pinch yourself sometimes. Like the fact we're sitting there talking about faceless ones on Blu-ray with five different versions, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Fury from the Deep's coming up." You're like, "What the hell? This is oh, amazing!" I, yeah, I want that on VHS. That's why <laughs> VHS. Yeah, it's um, it is fantastic. It's a great time to uh, to be a fan with all this stuff coming out. Uh, yeah, and hopefully, really? um, hopefully season fourteen isn't delayed. Fingers crossed. We're only a couple of weeks off. There's been no announcement. Sort of checking my uh, checking Amazon every couple of days. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Now, and the post is all a bit screwy due to lockdown. So who knows? It's going to be. It's going to be. A t- there's going to be some tense moments. There's yeah. going to be some anxious fans out there. We're all going to be palm sweating. Wait, wait for the postman to bring that thing. Definitely. And of course, the other thing we're really lucky to have is the new content. Um, that the uh, showrunners, past and present, uh, are putting out for us uh, to go along with the the tweet alongs and the watch alongs. Um, most recently, um, farewell, Sarah Jane, which which we've had in the last week, written by Russell T Davis. Um, I actually, I, I look. I didn't think it was bad, but it didn't. I thought it was a, it was a nice, a very nice way to say goodbye to both Liz Sladen and the character. Um, you know, obviously Russell's just, you know, as lots of us do think, um, Liz Ladin played Sarah Jane Smith so brilliantly and she's one of the best. Um, 
it, it didn't really get me uh, until some of the stuff Rani said, where it was like, she's she's not dead. The doctor came and said one last trip. I, I think that got me. <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, ever, ever so nice. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, that was that was good. Um, I'm interested in um, hearing how Sadie Miller is going to play Sarah Jane in the Return of the Cybermen or Big Finish. That's going to be interesting. Oh yeah, is that coming? Is that coming up? Is that coming out? Yeah. Soon? Have you not heard of that? Uh, I've, I heard that they. I think a trailer's out, but I didn't know when it yeah. was out. Yeah, I think it's maybe July. Cool. Don't quote me on that. But, um, yeah, no, that that was good. The the, the whole tweet alongs thing. Um, I uh, I did. Yeah, which ones did you do? I did. The, what was the first one? Jesus. Was it Day of the Doctor? Yes, I did that one. That was that was great because Moffat is Stephen Moffat is just full of just bam bam bam. I decided to do this. This didn't work. We you know and stuff stuff like. I wanted to get the poster for the Peter Cushing films, but, but we couldn't yeah. do it for the copyright. And I'm like, oh my God, that would have been brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, but and the, I'm, I didn't do any more until The Journey's End and Stolen Earth, um, to which I got, I, I got like in Twitter jail for liking too many of the tweets. So I can't <laughs> like tweets anymore. I can like well, I can like one tweet an hour or something, and there's no indication of when it will go away. So and people like, on Twitter, it, people on Twitter, if you get liked by Colin Neal, it means he really likes you because that was the only one he had. That. <laughs> that's right. You were the <laughs> man of the hour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, uh, I that was just glorious. You just had it was such fun. You had Catherine Tate. You had um, David Tennant. Um, uh, Noel Clark, Freeman Adjuman, um, Catherine Tate, Graham Harper, learning how to use hashtags. Um, it, was, it was brilliant. The best thing about it, though, was Georgia Tennant when she she got the phone off David um, and and just uh, and the stuff she was tweeting because someone was like, "Oh my God, there's a naked David Tennant," and, and she was like, "Yep, yeah, got the t-shirt." You know, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> I love Georgia Tennant. She is hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's been a uh, yeah. So kudos to Emily Cook for just masterminding all of these. Uh, and Russell T Davis liked one of your tweets about it. Oh yes, yeah. I think uh, uh, it was where uh, he posted a photo, a, a, a picture of a drawing he did of Harriet Jones, former Prime Minister. Uh, Going yeah, we know who she is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so you check. Uh, through a trapdoor onto a motorbike uh, and escaping. And I just said, this is the best thing ever. And he liked it. So, hey. good Russell. Russell, Russell is just the nicest guy. He's so yes. nice. Yeah. For, um, I, mean, I tell you what, I still, they may have said this before, I still want a sitcom um, with, where Russell and Stephen. Uh, share a house uh, with Chris Chibnall um, and because they are hilarious on Instagram together and that they you know there's the ghost of John Nathan Turner in the attic and next <laughs> door next door you've got Penelope Keefe um, uh, and Penelope Wilton uh, as their neighbours it would just be brilliant count me in I need to see this yeah commission this commission this immediately Fantastic. yeah somehow yeah. I'll manage to do that you manage it. There's animations out there. We can do it. Definitely. How about, how about you, Mark? With, with the old uh, farewell, Sarah Jane, did you, how was that for you? Yeah, I, I, I was really choked up quite early on. Um, yeah, got something in my eye, so I, yeah, I couldn't watch some of it. But uh, yeah, I thought oh, it, was, yeah. it was beautifully written. Um, and, and just getting all those people involved who um, obviously knew Elizabeth Sladen in real life as well and, and had been a friend and, and or like Sophie Aldred who would have, you know, kind of, known her well from the convention circuit um, the one time I met Elizabeth Sladen actually was with um, Sophie Aldred um, it was like 1996 I think at convention um, so yeah it was uh, it was obviously very moving for them I mean they're all kind of great actors as well but there was it felt like there was a real depth to what they were saying as well because uh, what they were saying could equally be applied to you know, Sarah Jane or, or Elizabeth Sladen. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, I found it really, really moving. 
about you? Yeah, I was, I was, a, yeah, yeah, I was, a, I was a complete mess. I mean, that's my. Uh, I grew up with, grew up um, with Tom Baker and Liz Sladen. Uh, they were my. The first series I watched was Robot onwards. That was my first season. Twelve was the first proper season I watched. So to me, Doctor Who is Tom Baker and Sarah Jane and, and all of that. So. Um, yeah, I, I watched it. I watched it all the way through. And it was only when the screen went off at the end and the screen went to black and I could see my own reflection in my iPad. And, uh, yeah, I was a hot mess. It was – I was a total – I kept it together for a couple of the things and then I just I just went with it. I just mm-hmm. cried like a fool. Um, it was quite – I think it's brilliant. They, they had to do – they had to do a hell of – he, rather, Russell had to do a hell of a lot in that because I guess he's, he's – it's kind of a big goodbye for all the Doctor Who people, but it's also a goodbye sort of made for that Sarah Jane generation, those kids who grew up with that as well. So they've kind of got, I know they cross over, but it did have its eye on sort of closing, you know, being the last episode of the Sarah Jane adventures, which are a brilliant thing in their own right. So I thought he was, in, I, think he, I thought he did it beautifully. Um, and it was in, like incredible seeing all those people at home, uh, you know, recording their bits and everything. That was really special. Uh, it was nice to see Clyde and Luke and Rani, you know, all grown up doing their bit, which is lovely. And I noticed, um, and he said that when he talked about the people who were at the uh, funeral, Ben and Polly were there from India. So that's where they ended up in whatever capacity. I don't know, but that was kind of nice. Yeah, that that had me in complete bits. So thanks, Russell. Yeah, fantastic. And the um, the, the revelation that um, Mr. and Tegan are a couple and uh, living in Australia as well, which uh, set the internet great. light a little bit as well, didn't it? <laughs> So, and anything to upset the trolls is fine with me. If it yeah. upsets a troll, I'm down. Definitely. That's why they'll be like, but how did Nissa get back from the centre of the universe with <laughs> the massive dog and the lever and, you know, so. That's, that's another thing for you to write, Colin. You're just going to have to keep yeah. writing all of these big finishes. You've got about three, <laughs> you've, you've got three different stories from this podcast alone to go out and write. So, you know, you've got, you're, it's all down to you, man. Yeah, keep yeah, me busy in um, lockdown. I'm not going to inflict you with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. I, I love that because that, he, he did some of that in the um, the Sarah Jane episode that had Matt Smith as well. There was that little bit of um, uh, of teasing what happened to to other companions when they say about Ian and Barbara never aged and that kind of thing. It's um, it's, it's, it's those kind of lovely little uh, little glimpses into, into what happened to them. Um, and um, and fantastic because you know you, Ian and Barbara don't age because we can just watch them over and over again forever from you know kind of nearly sixty years uh, after their, their TV adventures. Yeah, it's lovely. And I, I, it felt right that Ace went off and took K nine with her. I was like, actually, Ace and K nine that kind of feels right. That does feel right. Yeah, I don't know if you've read the uh, the um, Sophie Aldridge book. Um, at Childhood's End um, is, is very, very good. Yeah, and, and I haven't read it yet. I can't it's, wait to read that. It's, it's, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and great to, to, to get her, you know, Sophie Aldrich's own take on why he stopped traveling with the Doctor and then everything she's done with her life up to that point is, uh, yeah, is really, really good. And it would, be, uh, it would be great to see a sequel of, of how K-9 fits into that dynamic as well. Yeah. They should film a... a, a a new version of the Canine and Company opening titles with Sophie Aldred. There you go. That's another idea. Oh my God! You are on fire tonight. Can <laughs> Where's we just... this shit coming from? Colin Neal, you are showrunner extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm like a bite-sized fucking YouTube-length clip runner, if anything. <laughs> yeah. So great. That's your new Twitter profile and Twitter bio sorted right out. <laughs> maybe not a Tinder profile, maybe not. But it's good for Twitter. Uh, like that's a different story. Uh, yeah, Ace and K Nine are in dimensions in time together, aren't they? I was trying to think when you said about like how well they fit together. I was thinking, where have I seen that? It's dimensions in time, isn't it? Okay, they are. So this was a real reunion. Yeah. It's a dimensions in time sequel. Does this count as a dimensions in time sequel? I'm going to say yes. Dimensions yeah. in time is canon. People get over it. At, at the time, I loved it. I mean, I was only about twelve or something, but I, <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Um, I guess that was the kind of the target audience at the time. The uh, the theme tune in particular, I bought the album of that. Is it um, Cybertech, I think it's called? <laughs> so, yeah, 
theme tune, the theme, the theme, the theme tune of Dimensions in Time. Yeah, it's that really kind of speeded up uh, dance version of the of the McCoy. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you you bought that? I didn't know. If, I didn't know it was Bible. I try. It's, it's the sort of thing we try and memory sort of generally try and suppress in your life. You yeah. bought that. Yeah, I was. I was. Wow, that was a cool kid. Yeah, that, that, that was my jam. You were, yeah, clearly. <laughs> and you know what? We still are. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging with the cool kids. Well, thanks, guys. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to oh, talk this one over with you. Um, thanks for 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 watching it and sharing your thoughts. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Where can our listeners find you on Twitter? I'm at Colin underscore Neil. Um, and I'm at Hair of the Hound underscore hashtag Ben Jackson Claxon. Ben, Ben Jackson. Claxon's bound to attract someone's attention. Mm. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>